Let's talk finance. Wouldn't it be convenient to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one spot? Yahoo Finance does just that. It consolidates your portfolio views and offers expert analysis, making it easier to manage your investments. Let's not beat around the bush. You want to grow your portfolio, fight inflation, pay off debts, and achieve financial freedom. Yahoo Finance provides the news, data, and tools to make that happen. You may think you've covered all the bases, savings, researching, and investing smartly. But to truly excel, you need Yahoo Finance in your corner. A holistic perspective is crucial for success, and Yahoo Finance ensures you have it. With a massive community of over 90 million users monthly, Yahoo Finance is here to guide you on your path to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. We all make mistakes, decisions that we regret, things we'd like to do over, like not buying Bitcoin when you first heard about it at $1. We all carry around different stresses, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. At times, therapy has helped me and my loved ones in many ways. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major traumas. With the right guide, you can discover effective strategies to minimize distractions and truly connect with your needs, setting the stage for a more balanced life. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge take a moment visit betterhelp.com gold today to get 10 percent off your first month that's betterhelp help.com slash gold the peter schiff show Well, today, the Federal Reserve raised interest rates for the third time in 10 years. And of course, the tightening cycle began with the first rate hike in December of 2015, followed by the second rate hike in December of last year. And now breaking from tradition, rather than waiting an entire year for the third hike, we got the hike in March. Of course, the Fed had allowed market expectations to rise to near 100 percent in anticipation of this rate hike. And of course, before the Fed raised rates for the first time, they talked about raising rates for an awfully long time before they actually got around to doing it. Ironically, though, about two hours earlier than the rate hike, the Atlanta Fed revised down again its projection for Q1 GDP to 0.9. Remember, at the beginning of February, which is not even what, six weeks ago, The Atlanta Fed was at 3.4% for Q1 GDP. They're down to 0.9. I mean, that is a huge collapse in estimates for economic growth in the first quarter. And I'm sure that it portends ill for subsequent quarters. And remember, Janet Yellen has always said that the Federal Reserve is not on a preset course and that the rate hikes that they are forecasting will only happen to the extent that their economic forecast pans out, right? That what they expect to happen, that all their rosy economic growth estimates, that they're all true. Yet none of it is coming true. 
I mean, if anything, you've had a collapse in growth estimates uh, since the last time the Fed met, yet that collapse in GDP forecast has not done anything to alter the Fed's path because they've ignored all the data and they raised interest rates yet again. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that interest rates are high. I mean, they're still very low. Remember, we're still now at a range between 0.75 and 0.1. So the average of that range, the midpoint, is still below 1%. 1% was the emergency level that Alan Greenspan slashed rates to after the dot-com bubble burst and after the September 11th terrorist attacks sent the U.S. economy into recession. So at that point, in a recession, in the aftermath of the bursting of a bubble and after we were attacked and declared war, the lowest rate Scott was 1%. The Fed would have to hike rates again to get back up there. So obviously, the economy must be pretty weak if rates are lower now than they were then. But my point is, if the economy actually is so much weaker than what the Fed had been forecasting the last time they met, why did they think it was so important that they raise rates now? I mean, the only economic data that's stronger than expected is inflation data, right? We got inflation data out again today. Uh, we're year over year. I think the CPI is now 2.7. Even if you strip out food and energy, the core, the so-called core is at 2.2 or 2.3. That's still above the, uh, the Fed's so-called 2% target. So maybe there. But if you look at retail sales, we got more bad news out today. Look at what's happening with department stores. Department store sales are collapsing. This is the worst decline in department store sales since uh, the 08 financial crisis. I mean, they're falling off the edge of a cliff. Why is that happening? You know, I, I posted something, I think, on my Facebook page, and people were saying, oh, you know, it's because people are shopping online. No, it's not. I mean, people have been shopping online for years. They didn't st- suddenly discover the Internet in the last month because all of a sudden uh, department store sales just collapsed. I mean, that's not because of online sales. I mean, online sales have been growing consistently uh, for years. And in fact, there's still a relatively small percentage of overall sales. But it didn't suddenly happen. Consumers didn't suddenly discover Amazon last month and all of a sudden en masse decide that they weren't going to go to department stores. Something is going on, right? People are tapped out. People are not spending money because the economy is weak. And prices are rising, but their incomes are not, right? And a lot of people that have jobs have crappy jobs. And we know the story. We've gone over this before. And also these rate hikes are taking their toll, even though they're minimal, right? Each time the Fed raises rates, it's just another straw on the camel's back. And, you know, we got a pretty weak camel, right? I mean, this is probably a geriatric camel, and it's barely, barely, uh, you know, up there. Uh, you know, just another quarter point hike could be the straw that breaks it. For all we know, the hike that they just made is the one that's going to break the camel's back. We'll see. But, you know, the most interesting part was the press conference. You know, not the prepared remarks, but the press conference. That's where I think you can gleam the most. And this time, I think... Janet Yellen really let something slip. And nobody, nobody but me has picked up on it. And that's, you know, that's generally the case. So one of the um, questions that she got early on in the press conference, I don't remember who asked it, but the question was about the balance sheet. Because Janet Yellen has always said, we are going to not begin the process of winding down the balance sheet, right? Letting 
bonds mature, right? They're not going to sell anything, right? They're just going to let stuff mature. And they're going to stop reinvesting the principal when something does mature. Or they're going to stop reinvesting the interest that they earn on their bonds, right? Right now, they're reinvesting everything, right? So the balance sheet never goes down. In fact, it goes up a little bit because every time they get interest, they reinvest that, right? But Yellen has said, we are not going to begin the process of shrinking the balance sheet until the rate normalization process is well underway. Now, what is well underway? I've talked about that. What does that mean? I mean, isn't it already well underway? I mean, they've already raised rates three times. I mean, seems like it's well underway to me. So somebody asked Janet Yellen to define well underway. And you know what? She couldn't even do it. She said, you know, I don't really know what it is. And the reason she doesn't know what it is is because they have no intention of ever raising rates. I mean, that basically shows you that. And then she said, you know, it's not a specific level of interest rates. It's not like when we get to 1% or 1.5%. She said it doesn't have anything to do with the level of rates. And then she said what it has to do with is our confidence in the economy. Do we feel confident in the economy? Do we feel that the recovery is sustainable? And it's only based on the sustainability of the recovery and their confidence in the economy. That's what they're talking about underway. So once they develop a high enough degree of confidence that the recovery is real and here to stay and it has, you know, has legs, only then will they begin uh, to allow their balance sheet to run off. And I'm like, what are you talking about? What does she mean she has to wait until they have confidence? I thought they already had confidence. I mean, that's why they raised rates, right? Because they're confident. In fact, later in the very same press conference, Janet Yellen said, that she was confident in the recovery. She was confident in the economy, you know, because somebody said, hey, look at the Atlanta Fed. Look at this big drop in, in, in GDP, right? It's down at 0.9. Oh, why are you raising rates? And, and Janet Yellen said, well, you know, that's just one quarter. We're not worried about one bad quarter, right? We're still very confident in the recovery. We're confident in the economy. Well, if they're confident in the economy, why haven't they begun to shrink their balance sheet? Because she said, we're not going to start shrinking it until we're confident. Well, you're confident. And in fact, somebody else asked Janet Yellen, what is she hoping to achieve? Like, what message is she sending to consumers by raising rate? And Janet Yellen actually liked that question because she complimented the person who asked it on what a great question it was. I thought it was a ridiculous question. Right? There were plenty of other good questions that she didn't single out. This was probably a meaningless question. I mean, what, what are you trying to accomplish? What are you trying to tell consumers? She shouldn't be trying to tell consumers anything. Her answer was, I want to tell them that the economy is doing well. So wait a minute. That's not her job. Her job isn't to just tell people that the economy is doing well. But she admitted that. She kind of let everybody know, hey, look, I'm not raising rates because I really think that we should raise them. I'm trying to send out a signal of confidence. I'm trying to sell consumers that I'm confident in the economy. Do you think the average consumer even knows that she raised rates? you think the average consumer is watching this press conference on CNBC? No, that's ridiculous. She's trying to send a message to the stock market. She's trying to send a message to investors. She, the consumer doesn't know anything about what the Fed is doing. In fact, if anything, the consumer doesn't like what the Fed is doing because it means that their credit card interest rates are going to go up. It means that their their mortgage rate's going to go up, right? The consumer's not going to like this. And the consumer, this is not going to create any confidence, any confidence at all for the consumer. But what Janet Yellen knows it will do is create investor confidence. That's what she's trying to do. She is scared out of her mind. What would have happened if the Fed didn't raise rates today? 
right? Because if she didn't, because she was worried about the economy, that would have spooked investors. So the real reason the Fed raised interest rates, even though their own GDP forecasts have collapsed, and even though based on what they had said in the past, they shouldn't be raising rates because their economic projections have not been met. Not only have they not been met, they, they missed it by a mile. They way overestimated the strength of this recovery, yet they're raising interest rates anyway, not because they care about consumer confidence, but because they care about investor confidence. Because the only people who are watching the Fed's press conference are investors. That's it. Right? The average guy has no idea. In fact, the average consumer doesn't even know who Janet Yellen is. The average American consumer doesn't even know what the Fed is. I mean, that's that's how ridiculous it is. I mean, maybe if Snooky were uh, the chairman of the Fed, they might know. But other than that, they have no clue. But it really shows you what is in Janet Yellen's head. Because, see, that's not a prepared comment, right? She's saying that off the cuff. And, you know, she talked about uh, consumer confidence. It really is investor confidence. It's confidence. She wants to portray confidence. She, she doesn't want to let anybody know how worried she is about the economy, because if she really was confident, they'd be shrinking their balance sheet, right? Or was that a lie too? Because either Janet Yellen just made that up because she has no intention of ever uh, shrinking the balance sheet. So she had to come up with some kind of answer. And so she said, well, it's about confidence, even though she's already claiming she's confident. So either that answer was a lie or that answer was truthful, that she is waiting until she's confident, but she's not confident. Or, you know, is it just agree? I'm just a little, I'm, I'm confident enough to raise rates a little bit so that I can send out a message of confidence to the stock market. But I'm not so confident that I actually want to try to shrink the balance sheet. Right? I mean, how confident do you have to be? Plus, she wants to make sure that the recovery, you know, is, is sustainable. I mean, this recovery is basically over. This recovery is already one of the longest in history. We're due for a recession. In fact, you know, when you look at the Fed's projections, they project interest rates for 2018, 2019, 2020. They don't see a recession. They, they say unemployment is going to stay 4.5% for the next couple of years. And inflation is going to be 2% for the next couple of years. And there's going to be no recession. I mean, why on earth would anybody believe that? I mean, if you're going to go out to 2020, the next three years, what's the odds that we're going to make it over the next three years and there's still not going to be a recession? Especially when you're looking at Q1 GDP, Right now, not even being 1%. I mean, we are already dangerously close to a recession. Yet, according to the Fed, they don't even care. They don't think that there's one anywhere down the horizon, even though statistics and probability would say that we're due for a recession. But again, remember, the Fed has never called a recession in advance. They never have one in their forecast. They always assume that the, that the skies are going to be sunny forever. And then when it rains, you know, they're totally caught off guard. But the main reason, right, that Janet Yellen even wants to raise rates is simply so they can cut them, right? They want to have ammunition. They want to reload their gun that they think works so that when there's uh, a, a downturn that they have some bullets to fire because when they're down near zero, they don't have any. But believe me, we are going to be in this recession long before the Fed can reload that gun because they're not going to have much distance between zero and wherever they end up. Because who know, what if we end up getting 0.9 or even less than 0.9? And maybe we get a contraction in GDP for, for the second quarter. And of course, a lot of people asked her, are you baking into your assumptions any kind of fiscal stimulus coming from the Trump administration? And her answer is no, they're totally ignoring it. Right. The markets are betting on it. But the Fed, the Fed still believes that economic growth is going to be 
about 1.8% on average over the next few years. You know, Donald Trump's talking four or five. The stock market is rallying as if we're going to get four or five percent economic growth. But the Fed still only thinks we're going to get, you know, 1.8% economic growth. But meanwhile, they're only projecting 0.9 for Q1. But Janet Yellen said specifically, well, that's just one quarter. You know, we're not adjusting our forecast based on that one quarter. Well, maybe that quarter is significant especially when you look at all the other economic data that has been coming out weak, with, again, the only exception of inflation that is already above their level. And Janet Yellen, again, went out of her way to state that 2% is not a ceiling because they're going to let it go higher. It's already higher. And they said that 2% is just where we want the average to be, right? Sometimes it could be below 2% and sometimes it could be above. So you know what? What this means is because inflation was below 2% for so long, the way they measure it, they're probably going to let it be 3 or 4 or 5% because they can always average it. Like, what if we have one year of 5%? They'll say, well, we had five years of 1%, so let's average that out. We're still below 2 right? So how high is the Fed prepared to let inflation go before they actually say it's too high? I think the sky's the limit as far as I'm concerned because there's no way. They're never going to want to fight inflation because then they really have to jack up interest rates. In fact, one of the reasons the Fed said they wanted to start raising rates now is so that they wouldn't have to raise them rapidly later, you know, if they fell behind the curve. Well, they're already miles behind the curve, and that's exactly what they should have done. In fact, the Fed should be raising interest rates, even though the economy is weak, even though we're heading into recession or we're already there, because they're already behind the curve and inflation is already getting worse. And in fact, it's going to get a lot worse. Uh, when the dollar starts to tank, and it's going to tank. I mean, again, look at how the markets reacted to this rate hike. The dollar sold off sharply. The dollar index was down over a full percent or, uh, today. Of course, the dollar is supposed to go up when the Fed hikes rates, right? I mean, the dollar was rising in anticipation of this rate hike, and of course, the Fed rate hiked rates, and the dollar sells off. Now, maybe it's a one-off event, because buy the rumor, sell the fact, is a you know standard trade happens pretty much all the time right almost like clockwork right everybody's been buying the rumor of a rate hike we finally get the hike that everybody saw coming and now everybody goes the other way same thing happened with gold right gold was selling off gold was up 21 bucks today and in fact gold started to rise even before they announced the hike just as they were about to do it the rally started it was up like six or seven bucks uh, by the time they announced that they had hiked it and then and then gold kept rising uh, and that was, again, buy the rumor, sell the fact. Same thing happened in the gold stocks. Gold stocks have been getting beaten up, uh, although I did comment that gold stocks had showed some relative strength recently, which led me to believe that gold was making a bottom. And that ended up, I think, being the right call. Gold stocks had a huge day today. The GDX was up just under 8%. And the GDXJ, which are the junior gold miners, was up 11.5%. And I saw several individual stocks up 12 to 15% today. Uh, so huge move up in the miners. Bonds, on the other hand, they also reversed, right? We were near uh, highs for the year on the yields on the 10-year. And when the Fed raised rates, again, bond prices rose, yields came down. Another, everything was by the rumor, sell the fact. The key will be to see what kind of sustainability these moves have. Is gold going to build on the gains that it registered today? Uh, is the dollar going to build on the losses that were registered today? And if it does, then a weaker dollar is just going to accelerate the inflationary trends 
that are already building in this market. In fact, Janet Yellen was actually asked about the dollar in the context of, you know, would it be a problem for the U.S. economy if we introduced the border adjusted tax and that made the dollar go way up? Would this be a problem? They go, this is what everybody believes. It's almost a universal constant. Every single economist believes that if we pass this 20 percent border adjusted tax, that the dollar is just going to soar immediately by like 25 percent and completely negate the effects, which is complete nonsense. I've said this before. How can people believe that this is going to happen? Because their, their logic doesn't even make sense because they say that the dollar is going to go up because our trade deficit is going to shrink as a result of the border adjusted tax. But because the dollar goes up, the trade deficit is going to remain the same because the dollar is going to go up and that's going to negate the effect of the, the bat, right? Because we're going to have to pay a, a tax on the imports, but the imports are going to be that much cheaper because of the strong dollar. So if the net effect is there's no impact at all on our trade, then why is the dollar going to go up in the first place? First, you say the dollar is going to go up because our trade deficit is going to shrink. But then you say it's not going to shrink at all. It's going to remain the same. Well, then why would the dollar go up? It wouldn't. And of course, look, just because our trade deficit gets smaller doesn't mean the dollar is going to get stronger. I mean, we have an enormous trade deficit. And you know what? Even if we have the bat, the border adjusted tax, we're still going to have an enormous trade deficit. I mean, look at other countries. The euro is falling even as their trade deficit was rising. You have plenty of countries that have big trade surpluses that have had weak currencies. So you're not going to immediately mean that just because your trade deficits are smaller that the dollar is going to soar. We already have enormous trade deficits. What's going to happen are going to be the capital flows. Are people going to want to hold dollars? Because even if they need more dollars to buy our products, they may want to unload our treasury bonds. If they're, they're warehousing, stockpiling trillions of them. So the excess dollars as foreigners want to unload their U.S. assets because they have so many, may overwhelm the extra dollars they need to buy our products. But you know what? What extra dollars? What products are foreigners going to suddenly want to buy just because they're supposedly cheaper? But of course, according to these experts, they're not going to be cheaper because the dollar is going to go up. None of this makes sense. All that's going to happen if we get this bat is that import prices are going to go up because American consumers are going to have to pay the tax and the dollar is going to go down, too, because the dollar is topping out. The dollar has risen for years based on the fact that the Fed was going to raise rates, and that we had this great recovery. Well, now that the recovery is ending and the rate hikes are not even matching what was expected, and as inflation is rising faster than rates, real rates are falling, and the Fed has already said they are not on a preset course, right? If they get surprised and the economy ends up being in recession, even though they don't forecast it, They've already said what they're going to do. They're going to cut rates. They're going to do more QE. That is exactly what's going to happen. In fact, they know that. That's why they have no real plans to shrink their balance sheet because they know long before they get to the point where they would have shrunk it, they'll have to expand it because we will be back in recession. And in fact, the market is not going to get this big stimulus that they've been anticipating. That's not going to happen. I mean, they can't even agree on repealing Obamacare. Everybody thought that was a sure thing. What did I say early on? I said, I don't think they're going to repeal Obamacare. And guess what? They don't have the guts to do it. They don't have the guts to take away the free lunch that Obama gave out. And they still don't have the guts. The Republicans don't have the guts to level the American public and tell them that pre-existing conditions are part of health insurance. I mean, 
Insurance is about discriminating against pre-existing conditions. I mean, that's the whole point, right? The whole point of insurance is you buy something that you don't need because in case you need it, then you nobody will sell it to you. Nobody will sell you car insurance after an accident. So you have to buy the insurance before the accident in case you have one. And because it's probably not, you're probably not going to get into an accident, that's why you can afford the insurance. And because most people who buy auto insurance don't use it because they don't get into an accident, that's why the insurance companies can exist. You're pooling your risk. And then the people who actually get an accident can draw from that pool. But the insurance company has to make a profit. It's the same thing with everything. And the same thing with health insurance. The only reason healthy people buy insurance is because they know they can't buy it when they get sick because the insurance companies will discriminate against them because they're already sick, because they have a pre-existing condition. And the Republicans don't want to tell voters that that's how insurance works. You can't get it free. If you can buy insurance, health insurance, when you're already sick, it's not insurance. You're not insuring against anything because you already need it, right? You're already sick. And the minute the insurance company accepts the policy, they've lost money because they have to give you in, in claims more than you're paying in premiums. That's not insurance. for. That's just a, a flat loss for the insurance company. But they don't have the guts to do that. They won't take away the freebie. So if they can't get rid of that regulation, how much deregulation are the Republicans actually going to deliver? What kind of tax cuts are they actually going to be able to uh, manifest? Not much. The economy is weakening. And even if they get a tax cut, it's probably not even going to happen until after we're in recession. So it's going to be part of the recovery. In fact, one of the impetuses for getting the fiscal stimulus may, in fact, be the fact that we're in a recession. That might be what get the Republicans and the Democrats to agree on a stimulus because they'll all agree that we need it because we'll be in a recession. And, of course, the Federal Reserve is just not going to kick back and let Congress do all the so-called heavy lifting. They're going to chip in and they're going to cut rates. Right. I mean, how could they not? I mean, look what they did to help Barack Obama. You think they're going to be tightening when there's a recession on Trump's watch? And they're not going to help when they had a Herculean effort to help with Barack Obama, keeping rates at zero for almost the entirety of his presidency and doing you know three rounds of quantitative easing. Also, when it, the Republicans, what I think is really interesting, you remember when President Obama was in office and we got up to the debt ceiling, right? There was a big showdown. The Republicans were like, we're not going to let Obama just recklessly run up the debt we need to have some kind of negotiation here. We need to get some spending cuts as a prerequisite to a increase in the debt. We're not just going to rubber stamp it. We want, you know, we, we want to get some fiscal responsibility here. Because remember, the, the crisis is not raising the debt ceiling. That's the problem, right? Raising the debt ceiling means we get more debt. The way we solve the problem is not to raise the debt ceiling. So we stop taking on debt, right? They keep saying we need to raise the debt ceiling because America pays its bills. No, if America pays its bills, we wouldn't have debt because we would have paid our bills. It's because we don't pay our bills that we have all this debt. And the reason that we want to raise the debt ceiling is so we can continue not paying our bills. If we actually left the debt ceiling in place, then and only then would we actually have to pay our bills. But because we have no possible way to pay the bills, because the bills are too high and we're broke, that's why we have to keep raising the debt ceiling. But now the Republicans don't even want to put up a fight. They're basically saying, oh, the debt ceiling, no problem. We're just going to raise it, right? Because now that they have the White House, now there's a Republican president. Well, the Republican Congress wants to give the president carte blanche to run up the debt. There's no showdown at all, which all, again, it proves that before it was all theatrics. 
just like they had no intention of repealing Obamacare because they were only willing to vote to repeal Obamacare when they knew the president would veto it, right? That was a slam dunk. That was an easy vote. Yep, I vote to do something. Let's repeal Obamacare, knowing that Obama is not going to sign a bill to repeal his own signature legislation. So everybody can vote to repeal it, knowing that it wouldn't be repealed, right? And the same thing with the debt showdown, right? They can have a showdown because they know that the debt ceiling is going to go up and they know that Obama is going to raise it. And so they can act as if, hey, I, I tried to put up a fight. They can tell their constituents, yes, I tried to battle it. But since they can't do that, because obviously with Trump, they could theoretically work out an agreement to cut spending, right? They could not raise the debt ceiling. But no, no, they have to raise it now. Just like they, they know that they can't give Trump a bill uh, to repeal Obamacare because they don't, want, they don't want it repealed and they don't want to put Trump in the position of having to veto it, right? They, so they can't send it up there. And now they don't want to have a, a budget battle over the debt ceiling. They just want to raise the debt ceiling because they don't care. They don't care how much they spend. They just want to pretend that they're fiscal conservatives, but they're not. They just want to get reelected. They just want to keep the gravy train going. So the debt ceiling is going to get raised, right? And we're going to keep borrowing money. The national debt's going to skyrocket. The Fed's going to do QE4. They're going to cut rates. And the dollar's going to tank. And you know what? They're probably not going to put the border-adjusted tax in. Why would they take a chance on that? I mean, with all the big retailers, I mean, these guys are on life support as it is. You know, they're going to get killed. And again, what nobody has talked about, I don't understand how nobody sees this. If they put on this border-adjusted tax, people are just going to buy directly from foreign retailers. In fact, this would be great for foreign retail. It would crush American retailers. Why would you buy anything from a U.S. retailer if you can buy it 20 25% cheaper buying it from a Canadian retailer or a Mexican retailer or a European retailer, right? Anything you buy online and you just have shipped here comes in without the tax. The only way you're subject to the border-adjusted tax is if you're dumb enough to buy your product from an American retailer. So it basically gives a huge advantage to all the foreign retailers. In fact, all the foreign manufacturers, you just totally get rid of the whole distribution chain. Instead of a foreign manufacturer selling to an American retailer that would then have to sell to an American customer with the uh, border-adjusted tax, you just bypass the middleman, let the foreign factory sell direct to the American consumer, and the whole tax is avoided. So, you know, it's not going to actually reduce... Uh, our, our, the demand for imports in that respect is going to reduce the demand for retailers. And the demand is already falling in that we don't even have the border adjusted tax. So it's never going to happen. And so because they can't do that, they're not going to get this mythical windfall of tax revenue from our trading partners. So that was what was supposed to fund the big tax cut, the big corporate tax cut. So the markets have anticipated all this good stuff happening. None of this good stuff is going to happen. But a lot of bad stuff is about to happen, and none of that is being factored in. But I think that the reaction today in the markets shows that these uh, trades are, are unwinding, right? They've been buying the dollar and buying the dollar based on higher rates being good for the dollar. They're not. Higher rates are bad for the dollar because rates are rising because of inflation. They're not rising because the economy is strong. They're rising because of higher inflation. And by definition, higher inflation is bad for the dollar because inflation is the dollar losing value. And as the Fed raises rates, it increases costs throughout the system. And those higher rates actually fuel rising inflation. So as the Fed raises rates into an increasing inflation rate, the inflation rate gets even higher as a result of the rate hikes. This is bad for the dollar. And people have been selling gold now for years 
based on the fact that higher rates would hurt gold. They don't. Higher rates are going to help gold because higher rates are rising because of inflation and real rates are falling. The Fed is not raising rates fast enough. This is not Paul Volcker. Janet Yellen, you know, they may be calling her hawkish, right? She's not Paul Volcker, right? I mean, I didn't know Paul Volcker, but she is no Paul Volcker. I mean, I've met him, right? But I don't really know him, but she's definitely no Paul Volcker. And, and so higher rates are not going to be bad for gold. And in fact, she's not even um, Alan Greenspan. You remember when Alan Greenspan raised rates from 1% back to 5%? He went too slow. He raised rates 25 basis points every time they met, right? Yellen raises rates every, you know, every third meeting or so at best. But religiously, Greenspan raised rates every single time the Fed met. Quarter point, quarter point, quarter point, like clockwork. Gold rallied the entire time. So if rising interest rates were bad for gold, why didn't the Greenspan rate hikes crush gold? Why did gold rise to record highs while Greenspan was raising rates? Because it's not bad for gold, and it's not going to be bad this time. In fact, it's going to be great for gold, and maybe now the markets are finally uh, sending a message that they get it. Today's financial advisors behave like pro-wrestling TV commentators. They scream that the recovery is strong, debt is manageable, inflation is low, and that the Federal Reserve has everything under control. They may be oblivious, but the danger is real. Looking beyond the media hype can open a world of broader investing ideas. Euro-Pacific Capital is a registered investment advisor that offers stock-focused wealth management services that closely follow the strategy of our founder and CEO, Peter Schiff. We concentrate on those countries that are more closely in tune with Peter's vision of how capitalism is supposed to work. And these investments are not hard to find, provided you know where to look. Isn't it time you change the channel and let Euro-Pacific put a little reality back into your portfolio? If you live in the United States and have $25,000 or more to invest, call 800-727-7922. That's 800-727-7922. Non-U.S. residents access similar strategies through Euro-Pacific Bank at europacbank.com. Euro-Pacific Capital and Euro-Pacific Bank are affiliated companies. Hi, this is Peter Schiff, and long before foreign governments were buying gold, I urged my clients to put 5 to 10% of their portfolios into physical precious metals. Despite gold's massive rise over the last decade, I still think that a 5 to 10% allocation to gold and silver is a smart investment decision. But buyers have to beware. Big TV gold dealers push all sorts of coins that are poor investments. Bait-and-switch deals, price protection guarantees, leveraged gold accounts. These are just a few of the sleazy tactics used to swindle inexperienced gold buyers. My gold company is different. We never offer a coin or bar unless I consider it to be a good investment. I want my customers to be educated. That's why I'm offering you a free research report exposing the biggest scams and ripoffs in the industry. Download my report, Classic Gold Scams and How to Avoid Getting Ripped Off for Free at goldscams.com. This report tells you everything you need to know about how to avoid losing thousands of dollars with scam gold dealers. It even tells you how to tell if a salesman is lying to you on the phone. This is a must-read for anyone considering a gold or silver investment. Download this free report today at goldscams.com. That's goldscams.com.